This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Let's go to God's word together. It's a very short passage today. Luke 11, verse 4. And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Let's go before God in prayer together. Gracious and almighty God, we pray that your spirit would speak through your word, through my words, to us this morning, convicting us of our sin and brokenness, helping us to rejoice in the gift of your mercy and forgiveness, and growing us as we more and more pour ourselves out in love and grace for each other and for this world. Amen. Now, my wife and I worked, as Sarah already shared, in university ministry in Madrid, Spain for a number of years. And while we were there, we came to know really well a French couple who went to our church. And the, the husband, who was a genius, he worked in an economic think tank, he, uh, he grew up in a staunchly atheist family. And one day, uh, I asked him, I said, what, what started that shift? toward Christian faith, faith for you when you knew nothing of it as a child. And what he said to me, I'll never forget, it was a very short statement. And what he said was, he said, I was captivated by the idea of forgiveness. And then he went on to explain to me that the environment he grew up in, the family he grew up in, it was an environment uh, full of, um, of anger, of vindictiveness, of malice. It was it was an environment of tit for tat and action reaction. Um, it was an environment of repressed fear and brokenness. It was, a, it was an environment for him where, where when he first learned about forgiveness, it was just this, this distant idea, a compelling one, but distant. Nothing he knew at the center of, of his upbringing, of his childhood. It was not forgiveness, something that permeated his life and his relationships. Now, this short little snippet of prayer that we're talking about today, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, it calls us into a life that is saturated and permeated with God's grace. God's grace that we receive into our lives as we confess our sin and God's grace as we pour it out to others. It's these rhythms of regularly receiving God's grace and giving God's grace. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. These rhythms of grace of the Christian life show us that at the center of our discipleship with Jesus is walking open-handed, open-handed before God and open-handed before one another. 
So this morning we're talking about receiving grace and we're talking about giving grace, receiving and giving. And first we start with receiving, receiving God's grace. And living a life that's saturated in God's mercy and compassion and forgiveness, it starts in prayer. It starts in prayer. Prayer is the sort of the innards, the, the, the internal combustion engine of the Christian life. And this Lord's Prayer we, that we've been walking through, it's so short. It's surprisingly short. And this verse is very short. And so each little piece occupies the core of what it means to walk as disciples of Jesus Christ. And in this part of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is talking about confession, confessing our sins before God. And when you hear that word confession, maybe a number of images come to mind. It could be those short little seconds that we give you on Sunday to somehow cycle through your whole week in 20 seconds and try to get in a quick uh, act of sin before the pastor goes on in prayer. Or, or maybe if you grew up in the Catholic Church, images and, and experiences of a confessional booth. Or maybe if you didn't grow up in the Catholic Church, like me, you have images of the confessional booth from mob movies. Um, but but we, have, we all have these images of confession, some very intimate, some very distant. But no matter how imperfect uh, these things might be, they, they point to the fact that confession occupies the very center and the core of what it means to be a Christian and to walk as a Christian. Confession is the way that God works his love, his healing, his grace, and his mercy into our lives. And so the call here that this is the prayer that is supposed to be the model prayer for our whole lives of discipleship before Jesus, it means that we need to work in rhythms of open, honest confession before God. We share with, with open hands our, our mistakes, our missteps, our misdeeds, our, our, our selfish ambitions, uh, our, our, um, our wayward hearts, our thoughts. We share those honestly before God. Sometimes it's hard to know where to start. And I think sometimes the best way to start is just name what you know. Name the small things in your life that you know that are out of place. One, one great help that we have in this is the Psalms. One thing you can do, we, we read Psalm 51, and the Psalms are, are meant to be a template for prayer for us as Christians, as God's people. And what you can do is take a Psalm like Psalm 51, read the first verse, see what it stirs up in your heart, and pray your own prayer before God. Let it be like a dialogue, read the Psalm, and share from your heart. And when you run out of things to say after verse one, read verse two and let it, let it be this dialogue and let it dig into your heart, but name, name those things that are in your lives that aren't fit with God's life. Name those things. And the Psalms are a great help in that. But I wanna emphasize this. When we confess our sins, be specific. Sometimes it's easy to say, oh, Lord, forgive me for I'm sinful. Well, how? How are you sinful? Name it to God. And if you can, name it out loud. It's even better. Confession is about this surfacing. And you can take it another step further. Do it with somebody else, someone you trust. 
And, and it doesn't have to be this drawn out long thing. The Lord's Prayer is surprisingly short. And confession can be very brief, naming the things that we know that are, that are out of sync with God's ways in our lives. And what slowly starts to happen, as, as we start with what we know, and oftentimes the sin that we see most clearly is the sin in our relationships, our interactions with other people. Our sin that's connected to our relationship with God always shows itself in our relationships with other people. And so start with your actions. Start with what you see that's out of sync around you in your own life. And as you begin to do that, what starts to happen is God starts surfacing what's lurking in those deep, dark recesses of our lives. And he starts to stir up not just actions, but motivations. Um, not just the things that we do, but the things that we think, the ways we think about ourselves, the way we think about God. Confession is about bringing those dark things to light, bringing those things before God's holy, healing light. Now, my family, um, all my family who's here, including my parents joined on too, they know that I love birds and wildflowers. Um, I love birds and wildflowers, and sometimes too much. We'll be, just recently, we were walking out for a walk with our, with our girls, and I forget, one of them was walking along beside me, sharing something important to me. And as she was talking, I was like, oh, there's a new bird. She's like, daddy, pay attention to me. Stop, stop looking at the birds. I'm like, oh, right, right, right. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need, to, I need to focus. So, but I love, I love birds. I love wildflowers. I especially love wildflowers in the Sierra Nevada mountains near where I grew up. I'm just, I'm captivated in this grand, beautiful, yet stark and harsh environment for these short two months out of the year, these blues and pinks and purples and yellows, these amazing flowers burst forth for just a month, sometimes even just a few weeks. And as that snow recedes in late summer, it's almost like those, those long, warm summer days, the sun just starts to pull those flowers out of the ground, just maybe even for a few weeks. The sun, the warmth, the light, the heat of the sun pulls these flowers out for us to enjoy their beauty. And that's what confession does in many ways. It begins to open up our, our hard, fearful, closed-in hearts. As we begin to name things, the, the warmth of God's light begins to bring forth both those things in our lives that we don't like, but God begins to heal us. And we have to remember that, that confession, it's not just this sort of cathartic experience of airing our laundry to no one in particular. Sometimes just airing things out, that's a good in and of itself. But when, when Jesus says, forgive us our sins, we're not just stopping with confession. We're calling out, we're crying out to God, God, forgive me. Heal these broken places in my life. Restore these places that are broken. We're calling out to a God of abundant love and compassion and mercy to bring healing. And as we begin to experience that healing, it goes, God digs deeper and deeper in, and it's not always fun, but it's so good. 
God begins to stir up those, those deep, dark places, both our fears and our longings, and that we get to voice those before God. And as we voice those and ask for forgiveness, God is abundant in his mercy to forgive us. It's like that flower that, that has to just feed off the light and warmth of the sun. As we start to open ourselves up to God's healing mercy, and like that flower, God begins to make us beautiful. So first, God, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. We receive God's grace. We call out for it. We cry out for it. We open our hearts up to God. Forgive us our sins. Now, the second part of this prayer, I think, is a little unexpected. And I think it's a, probably the one part of the Lord's Prayer that maybe we kind of slide over the most. If you think about it, this, the, the second part, as we forgive our debtors. It's like, what is that doing in this prayer? It's not asking anything from God. It's not declaring any prayer or praise to God. In, in a simple way, it's just a simple statement about what we're doing. We're forgiving our debtors. Literally, it's just, we're forgiving those who are indebted to us. So what, what, what is this little piece doing here? And again, the Lord's Prayer is short, Every statement matters, it counts, it's so, and there's no throwaway phrases in the Lord's Prayer. What Jesus has worked into this prayer is a statement showing us and really challenging us to, to see that if we are living this life, these daily rhythms of confession and, and of receiving God's forgiveness, we will see, and we ought to see, that we are extending that same forgiveness and love and mercy that we receive to others around us. And if we don't see that fruit, even just little seeds of that fruit in our lives, maybe we're not receiving the grace that we think we're receiving. And it's important to remember this phrase here, um, as we forgive our debtors, it's not just about interpersonal forgiveness, although that's at the core, because the hardest mercy to show is to someone who has directly wronged us, who has directly sinned against us, who has directly broken us. That's the hard, those are the hardest, um, those, those are the, sorry, those are, that's the hardest act of love to show or to those, to those people. But what Luke is doing and what Jesus is, is saying in this prayer, it's building on this theme throughout Luke. If you read earlier in Luke, Jesus says, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So Jesus, Luke is, Jesus is, what he's doing is he's showing us that it's both about interpersonal forgiveness because that enemy love is at the core of the Christian life, but it expands out. The love that we receive from God is the love we are called to give to others. The grace we receive is the grace we're called to give to others. And there's a connection between these two, the receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness, because 
the more we, in, the more we become in touch with our need for God, the more we become real about our own brokenness, and the more we begin to experience the love and compassion of God, the more we grow in love and compassion for others in their own brokenness. The Christian life is about being open-handed to receive and open-handed to give. It's tied together. The same core, kind of humble, willing heart is tied together to, in, in receiving God's love and in giving it. Open-handed to receive, open-handed to give. Now, during my doctoral research for my dissertation, I came across this story of a Puerto Rican pastor in Boston whose name was Luis Aponte. Now, Aponte grew up in Puerto Rico. As a teenager, he became addicted to drugs. Um, his addiction grew. He started dealing. He got arrested, and then he was sent to federal prison for drug crimes. After getting out of prison, he, he migrated up to Boston. And somehow when he was in Boston, he came across Teen Challenge Ministries, which is a ministry as a church that, that, that we support. He came across Teen Challenge Ministries and through Teen Challenge, through the relationships, the spiritual formation, he had a radical conversion experience. He got clean. Now, Aponte didn't even have a high school education. Uh, but after his amazing transformation, he became a pastor of a church, started his own church. He opened up a counseling center at a local Christian bookstore in the inner city. Harvard-trained doctors would come to him to ask him how he was so successful uh, in, his, in his counseling street. As one pastor told me, uh, Aponte's church was full of addicts. It was full of recovering drug addicts. And what Aponte would do often is he would take people in off the street. He and his wife, Millie, lived in the housing projects in the South End. And he and his wife, Millie, would take people in off the, st the streets, drug addicts, and would walk through them through the withdrawal process in their home. Um, one day, he met a woman on the street named Naomi. She had been in prostitution. She was an addict. She also had AIDS. Um, and Aponte and his wife took Naomi into their home. Um, they tried to nurse her to, to health. She started to grow in her recovery. She became a Christian. She came to faith. Um, she got clean. All. All while she was slowly dying of AIDS. And now Naomi was so joyful in her recovery. Even in the final month of her life, she was out walking on the streets, sharing about her faith, praying with people, handing out tracts. In the final month of her life, she met a woman. Um, she met a woman named Millie. Millie had come out of prostitution and addiction, um, and Naomi shared her story with her. And Millie started coming to Aponte's church. And she also went through recovery, came to faith. Um, all well, Naomi slowly declined and she died. Now these stories don't all have happy endings. Aponte himself, the pastor, 
he died at a young age, probably because of his, um, his drug abuse when he was younger. But in the midst of this brokenness, we see this chain of love and grace and forgiveness and healing. Aponte loved deeply. He loved addicts deeply because he knew God's grace and forgiveness. He knew the healing power of Jesus so deeply in his own life. He had empathy for those who had addiction, yet he knew of the restoring power of God. And that drove him into a life of compassion for people who suffered just like he did. He knew the pain of addiction, but he knew the joy of God's healing love. Earlier in Luke's gospel, Jesus says, um, after an interaction with the Pharisees and, and a woman who broke a bottle of perfume over his feet and washed his feet with her tears, Jesus said, pointing to the Pharisees, whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And you could flip it around and say, whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. And we have this dynamic throughout Luke's gospel of all these people who are fit for the kingdom, but it's kind of a ragtag bunch of tax collectors and children and widows and prostitutes who have all turned in repentance. And then you have it contrasted with these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, uh, people, men in power, who are trying to wall themselves off from God's grace and wall themselves off from the suffering of the world. They didn't receive God's grace and they didn't give it. Maybe you don't grasp your sin because you don't love very much. Maybe you've just created this manageable little world cut off from the sufferings of others, hiding from God. But let's live open-handed lives with God and one another, freely confessing our brokenness before God and freely receiving that love and the grace that we all know we so desperately need. Freely giving grace, freely, freely receiving grace, freely giving grace, living lives that are marked by the vulnerable rhythms of receiving God's mercy and giving it. The life and death and resurrection of Jesus in many ways is one long act of forgiveness. It's one long act of love. This love and forgiveness, which is laid out once and for all in Jesus Christ, begins to work itself into our lives in many ways through the simple, regular, daily prayers of confession before God, exposing our hearts before God, receiving his love and mercy, and pouring that out before others. In this time that we live in, we have to remember that God is not a scarce resource. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And it, and it abounds as we let the, this prayer from Jesus work itself into our hearts. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Let's pray.
Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the abundant and measurable love of Jesus. Holy Spirit, pour that love out into our hearts. Draw us into lives of confession, into lives that gratefully receive your mercy, and gratefully and with free hearts give that to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.